are going to continue our study in fullness, Great Words of the Christian Faith. Now, just before last week's service, uh, where we talked about the land, we, um, <clears throat> we finished the first three uh, words. The, these were words that reflect the choice. We talked about uh, repentance, faith, and confession. Those were words that reflect the choice. And after we make that choice, some changes occur. That's what we're going to begin today. But I'd like to uh, join with Mike in reminding you about our Generations Project. Thank you so much for your response last week. I think right now, the last I checked, we have about $48,000 that has been given. And uh, we have, again, the last time I checked, 126000 uh, that are made in pledges. As we look forward, we know that that's just our starting point. Uh, others will be making pledges. Others will give that don't make a pledge. But we want to say thank you. We're excited about um, what God is going to enable us to do. And it's going to be a, a good project for us. You have another card in your bulletin today. So thank you for your faithfulness. It is absolutely incredible. Father, as we open our hearts to you, we are about to pray the Lord's Prayer. We are about to open our hearts to the grace of God. <coughs> we thank you for all that you have accomplished in us and that all you are committed to accomplishing in us. As we look at this idea of regeneration, I pray that we'll never look at it the same again. May we see the power of this word in Jesus' name. Let's look to the screen and let's pray the Lord's Prayer together as is our custom. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This magic word, regeneration, is one of the standard parts of the Christian vocabulary. We refer regularly to the act of idea of being born again. That comes out of regeneration. It's a good word. I listened to um, one of the leaders of the church in America a few years ago make a strong case. He said, we need to stop saying born again. He said, people don't understand that. We need to find a more modern word. And I thought, well, I don't think that'll ever happen. Number one, born again is such a good word, number one. Number two, born again is Jesus' phrase. And I don't think we're going to improve on his phrase. And sure enough, that man's uh, idea kind of came and went. And we're still talking about being born again because it's hooked into the idea of regeneration. Now, again, the first three words had to do with um, the choice that we make. We choose to repent. We know that God draws us. 
We can't do anything without him. We know that. But there is a part of it that is our part, not that we have anything to do with the payment for our salvation, but it is our choice when God in his sovereign mercy extends grace to us, the opportunity for grace, we have to make some decisions. We have to choose to repent. We have to choose to embrace faith. And we have to, and Corey did a great job, we have to choose to confess, to say the same thing as. And that makes us part of a community. But after we make those choices, God, uh, by the Spirit, effects changes in us. Now next week, Lord willing, we're going to talk about the change where we are adopted as his children. Number two, uh, or, or after that I should say, we're going to talk about what it means to be converted. That's a, a word that we use frequently, but we're going to talk about the biblical meaning of conversion. But today, let's look at the idea of regeneration. Now let me say this. Regeneration is not difficult to explain, and it's not difficult to understand. I mean, we're going to look at the symbols of regeneration. We're going to look at the source of regeneration. Where does it come from? We're going to look at the significance of regeneration. Why is it so important? It's not difficult to explain. It's not difficult to understand. But here is something that is very important. It is exceedingly different, diff difficult to comprehend. It is not easy to comprehend because the, the phraseology and the explanation is so superficial and so familiar, but we don't understand the depth of what happens when we are regenerated. In fact, this is one of the most difficult messages I've had to prepare because I realize it is something beyond our wildest dreams and it sounds like the same thing we teach our first graders. And you know what? It is. It is. It is not difficult to um, um, explain. It, uh, you know, whenever our preschooler teachers are teaching about regeneration, it's not hard for them to understand it. It's not hard for a four or five-year-old to, under, uh, to explain it. It's not difficult for a five-year-old to understand it. But to comprehend what that means, it's as though Mike was three years old and I wrote out a check to him. Well, let's assume I have money in the bank. But I wrote out a check to him for $25 million. I can say... I can say, Mike, here's a check for you, little buddy, for $25 million. I wrote this, this is money, and this is yours, and he'll be so excited. He'll say, oh, yes, what just happened? Well, pastor gave me money, and he'll tell mom and daddy, pastor gave me money. But what's he going to do? He's going to color on it. He's going to wipe his nose on it. He's going to throw it out with the cook, uh, cupcake residue that he didn't eat because he understands and he understands the explanation but he does not understand the significance he does not comprehend what just happened if he had any idea 
of what had just been given to him, it would change everything. And regeneration is a lot like that. Has it ever occurred to you that when Jesus was talking to the, one of the greatest leaders in all of Judaism, Nicodemus, when he explained to him what was going on in the kingdom and what he had come to do, Jesus explained to him in these words, don't be so marveling that I'm saying to you, you must be born again. You must be regenerated. Even Nicodemus, a great teacher in Israel, when Jesus explained this basic concept of regeneration, he did not understand it. He did not understand it. He said, are you saying I've got to go back into my mama's body and be born again? I would have thought, oh, Nicodemus, my junior boys in Sunday school, I thought this one time, I said, my junior boys in Sunday school have a greater spiritual sense than you do. And maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But I didn't understand how difficult it is to, compre and to comprehend the idea of regeneration. When John would later write his epistle, decades later, this is what he said to the church that had fought battles and had come through doctrinal disputes, a church that was head and shoulders more mature than it was in those early days. <clears throat> he began one of his chapters this way in his first letter. He said, behold, and that word is a good, strong, it's not just an old King James word. It's a word that means stop and analyze this. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. And then he ended that thought this way, and his children indeed we are. This is something that we think is so foundational and so basic but John said, listen, in all of your struggles, stop and look at this. You have been made a child of God. And before you say, oh, no, that's just Jesus being sentimental. He said, you really are. You really are a child of God. You have been made a new creation. In fact, our text says this. He came, also written by John, he came to his own and his own or his own people did not accept him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. He says they have become a new creation that wasn't anybody's idea. It wasn't something man figured out, but of God. This was God's idea. Paul would write to the Corinthians. He says, man has not seen, uh, ear has not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. But that's why we created seminaries. Oh, wait a minute. That's not, that's not how it goes. Oh, oh, yeah, I remember now. But God 
has revealed these things to us by his spirit. Loved ones, please understand what I'm trying to say. You and I have been made a new creation that most of us don't understand. We just think we're better than we used to be. You're different than you used to be. I'm different than I used to be. God has created me as a new creature, not just an improved one. But God has created me a new creation, and this is the second dynamic we need to grasp today. You cannot possibly entertain the idea of being born again unless it's by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way. It's the only way. Now, um, this idea of regeneration is beautiful because Paul said in Romans 4, 17, he spoke of God who gives life to the dead <coughs> and calls into being things that do not exist. He calls to existence things that do not exist. We think that when God says this is something new, we really have a tendency to think it's just to improve us. I read a story one time about a family lived in a cabin and electricity came to their home way back nearly 100 years ago uh, through the work of the Tennessee Valley Authority. The, the hydroelectric uh, dam was built and now people all through that region could have electricity for the first time in their life. And there was an uh, older gentleman and his wife that lived in a cabin had never even seen electricity firsthand. But the TVA came in, wired their cabin, told them how it worked, demonstrated. But they realized that the couple only had a power bill of just a few cents a month. <coughs> That's a little different than what it is now, isn't it? But they would have thought that their power bill would have at least been four to six dollars, something like that. But it was just a few cents. So they came out to see if there was any problem. And they said, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, are you enjoying your electricity? They said, oh, yes, it's a life changer. Uh, are you pleased with the service? Oh, yes, it's wonderful. Well, we noticed your bill is low because you have such low usage. Is there anything we can help you with? They said, oh, no, we got it. Every night we turn on the lights to see how to light our lanterns. And then when we have the lanterns lit, we can turn the lights off. We're good. I'm afraid that sometimes we're like that about the wonderful gifts of God. Let's talk today about some symbols, the source and the significance of regeneration. Um, the central truth in your notes is this. Regeneration is defined as the divine ability to experience fresh life. It is the divine ability to experience fresh life. It is originated, sustained, and completed by the work of the indwelling Holy Spirit. See, that's what separates the true gospel from a social gospel. Social gospel says if we can just do enough good, things will change. If we can do enough good, I can change. But what we don't understand is that true change as Jesus requires, is impossible unless it is energized, that is originated, sustained, and completed by the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, there is something in the heart of man 
that realizes spiritual entropy. We're not getting better. We're not evolving into a better society. We're not evolving into a superior moral creature. I don't believe in evolution spiritually. Uh, I, I call that devolution, not evolution. We're not able to change what we are. We're not able to overcome this spiritual entropy. And in the heart of every man, woman, and, and that it probably has ever lived that has any sophistication in their thinking, the older you get, the more you wish you could go back for a do-over. Am I right? Oh, I just wish I could have a do-over. Now, I grew up in the age of do-overs. Um, whether it was baseball, whatever it was, whatever it was, you had the ability, it was a right, it was in the Constitution, we thought, that if you could just be the first one to speak, you could get a do-over. You know, you, you, you hit a foul ball, and when you're trying to expedite a game, if you hit a foul on the, you know, you got two strikes, kind of like softball, it's an automatic out. Well, you know, you pop one up and you can't tell, and then the closer it gets, it goes over the line, and then you had the God-given right to say, do over, do over, do over. And if you were the first one to say do over, that didn't count. That third strike did not count and you got another pitch. You say, well, that's not fair for the other team. It certainly is because they had the constitutional right to say no do-overs, no do-overs, no do-overs. And whoever said it first ruled the game. You say, what if you tie? That's why he always said it three times. Because if you tie, the first one to say it three times is the winner. I want to tell you, little fellas survived the 60s by do-overs. And I, I often wondered as I was growing up, you know, you can't, you can't just call do-overs and things go away. But I want to tell you that the idea of do-overs has its roots in the idea of regeneration. It has, it is, it's, it's, and you know, we learn to be careful with it. I don't want you to think it was helter-skelter because we realized we were handling like atomic bombs. We could change the course of the neighborhood dynasty depending on how we handled do-overs. But God gives us a spiritual do-over, but it's not a do-over as trivial as getting to take another swing at the pitch or going to get another hiding place. God gives us a state of being where there is a perpetual source for continual do-overs. Now, you say, I don't, I just think there's more to it than that. Well, <clears throat> I'm telling you, God has given us the concept of a new birth, of a new creation. And I want to tell you that in spite of our best efforts, in spite of that ointment you just paid for, in spite of any of the injections we can get, we find that only birth can overcome death. Only new birth can overcome death. And in the Christian faith, you see in your notes, we experience a perpetual source of renewal that enables us to experience fresh beginnings, and it is called regeneration. Now let's look at those symbols. How does God illustrate 
this idea of regeneration. And I want to say this, the, the Greek word sperma, and you can tell we get the word sperm from it, but sperma could be translated as, as, uh, as semen or as seed, as, as semen in the biological body or seed coming from a plant or vegetable or something like that. And we see both images used. There are times that God talks about seed and he's talking about biological reproduction. There's times he talks about the same word seed and it's clear from the context. He says we're like a plant that grows. So here's the first thing I want you to see. If you want to understand regeneration, you need to see the idea of procreation. God says when you come to me, it's like you are born again all over again. All the past is done away with and you're like a baby, a fresh start loaded with potential. And loved ones, this is where we need to really begin to change our view of regeneration. We are a new creation, not an improved one. We are a new creation, not just an improved one. Even if your circumstances are desperate, you may say, boy, that's great. Some people might be able to start over, but I've just done too much. I've gone too far. Well, listen to the context of the birth of Isaac. Even desperate circumstances, Romans 4 says this, even when there was no reason for hope, <coughs> Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abram's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. He said, understand this, the kingdom of God operates in absolutely impossible situations. I pastored a long time and we've never given a baby shower for a 90 year old woman. Never have we ever done that because it's beyond the realm for, for all intents and purposes of human possibility. It's beyond the realm of anything that we would expect. And he says, when you are regenerated, he says, it doesn't matter what odds you are facing. It doesn't matter the impossibilities that you face. I remember the first person that I led to the Lord outside of church, well, in a in a setting where, where I was preaching. A man, I was preaching in Escambia County Jail. That's why I often preach long, because where I learned to preach, nobody's going anywhere. Uh, they stayed till I was done. And uh, I remember I preached about, <coughs> you must be born again. And I got about a third of the way into the message and those prisoners began to say, that's good for your church, but it's not good here. I did this, that, and the other. I did this, that, and the other. I did this, that, and the other. I was a 16-year-old boy, didn't know anybody in the world really did those kinds of things. And I listened to them, I listened to them. And one guy that had been guilty of rape and, and child rape and several other things, they, he said, this is the first time they ever even let me out into something like this. He said, you're telling me that I can be born again? I said, I'm telling you that no matter what you've been, I'm telling you that no matter what you've done, you can be born again. 
God can give you a fresh start and God can take away the guilt out of your life. And this is what he said. He said, I'm going to stand up. And it was a cell. Oh, it's been a long time ago. Probably 25 feet wide by about 30 feet long. He was sitting in the back. And he said, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to come up to that place, a little bench that you call an altar. He said, I'm going to come to the altar. And if God wants to change me, he's going to have to do it between him, between here and there. Because if he doesn't change me, I'm going to go out and I'm never coming back to anything like this again. And man, you talk about being put on the spot. They didn't teach us how to do altar calls like that. And that man started coming and it, that place was so quiet you could hear a pin drop. And then you saw that man stop and he began to tremble and tears began to come into his eyes. And a couple of guys that had given their hearts to the Lord earlier said, come on, come on. Guards are running from all over the place. I don't know if he's saying, come on, let's whip this boy. Or if he was saying, come on, you can do it. And every step, he said later, he said, every step I took, it, he said, I saw in my mind of my rap sheet a page at a time being torn off and thrown away. And, and uh, he said, I, I began to realize that I, I was being born again. He said, I know I'll never get out of prison. I know that I can never undo what I did. But as far as God is concerned, I have been completely born again. And I am not what I used to be. Sometimes it takes jail. Sometimes it takes desperation to realize what it means to be born again. Because most church folks think I'll do better. I'll do better. It's what I promised my wife. I'll do better. It's what I promised my boss. I'll do better. Loved ones, you and I aren't good enough to just do better. The Bible's already described our righteousness, our, our best efforts. It says our righteousness is as a filthy rag. I don't need somebody to help me be my best. I need somebody to make me something I ain't. Amen. And that's the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus pointed out the pride that was associated with being born biologically as a Jew, a physical descendant of Abraham. But the New Testament, Jesus said it, Paul said it, Peter said it. They understood that it's not enough. Whatever you are physically is not enough. It may give you some advantage. He says the Jew has many advantages in relationship to God. But he said everyone needs a new birth. It's not natural Israel. It's spiritual Israel that makes the difference. And Peter would put it this way. You've been born again to a living hope. And that word living doesn't mean it's just alive, not dead. It means it is growing. It is increasing. It is magnifying. Well, it's not only seen as procreation. God said, I want you to understand when I do something in your life, it's not only like a baby being born loaded with potential. He said, it's like a seed that germinates. That's number two. Regeneration is understood through germination. He said, just as a baby is born, he said, a seed is planted, it's cultivated, and then it yields a harvest. He said, now some will yield 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And what he's trying to understand is this. He says, being, being regenerated is like procreation in that it's all the same. Life is life. Whether you are 
uh, born in Haiti or you're born in Russia or you're born in the Ukraine or you're born in Canada or you're born in South Carolina. We have this thing in common. It's called life. Life. Everybody is born at the same place. They have life. But when he talked about a seed, he acknowledged that some seed has more potential in it than others. And I'm not, I'm not talking about racial things here. I'm talking about, he says, not everybody is going to do the same thing or turn out the same way. He says, what you need to do is understand God is giving you life. And now it's up to you to live that life in a way that will be productive. There's a third image that he gives. It's regeneration is understood as resurrection. Okay, I can understand uh, procreation. I can understand germination, but there's something, this is so marvelous that it goes beyond the natural order of things. It goes beyond birth and growth. It goes beyond the order of anything in the natural world. Regeneration is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen to what William Hull said in his book. In one sense, these three things are quite different. Um, resurrection, germination, procreation, um, a baby emerging from a womb, a seed emerging from the soil, a corpse emerging from the grave. But they all have one crucial thing in common, and it is this, the appearance of life where it did not exist before. The Apostle Paul gathered up all these metaphors for transformation into the comprehensive concept of a new creation or regeneration, gives some scripture. By this doctrine, he affirmed that every person connected to Christ is so totally changed that the resulting life is wholly original. The old has passed away. Look, the new has come. And loved ones, I know that I am teaching preschool theology today. But I want you, I want everybody in this church to get away from the idea that coming to Jesus is putting on your Sunday best. I want you to know that coming to Jesus is more than improvement. It's more than turning on <coughs> over a new leaf. Coming to Jesus means you are no longer what you were. You are a new creation. It's not you're going to be a new creation. You are a new creation creation. The old has passed, the new has come. Further, by calling the Christian a new creation rather than simply a new person or even a new humanity, Paul implied that the changes already at work in the believer's life are integral parts of a process by which God will finally renovate the entire universe in accordance with his will and purpose. When you look at a Christian when I think of that prisoner at Escambia County Jail that says, I am not what I used to be based on that probably 30-foot walk, 20 or 30-foot walk from the back to the front, he said, I know that I am not what I was when I started this walk. And, he, and what he was saying, though he didn't have the theological sophistication to understand it at the time, he said, I know that everything that's wrong in this world is going to be set right because the same power that works in me is working in this world to bring the kingdom of God to bear. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Now that's the symbols. When you want to know what it really means to be regenerated, think about 
uh, procreation. I have been born again. Think about germination. Out of an um, uh, inanimate seed comes life, and it becomes more than it ever thought that it could possibly be. Um, one grain of corn produces many ears of corn with many more grains of corn. And then we think of resurrection because where there is the limitation of life itself, that is overcome because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's talk just a second about the sources. Just as all three symbols illustrate human helplessness, the sources of regeneration remind us that salvation is the work of God extended to us, not originating with us. That's why Paul said, for by grace, or, uh, 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 for, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your works, but it all begins with God. It all begins with God. I don't have a long enough life to earn my way to heaven. I don't have enough power to earn my way to heaven. I need something that can provide the basis for this amazing change, this rebirth, this regeneration, this procreation, this germination, this resurrection. None of it is found in me. So God said, I'll not only give you these symbols to help you understand, I'll give you the sources to make it happen. Here's number one. He says, you are regenerated by the word. You are regenerated by the word. Jesus in his parables taught that the preaching of the word is the scattering of seed. See, he tied these ideas together. Preachers and sharers of the gospel are told to expect a spiritual harvest as a result of their labors. Loved ones, nobody comes to Jesus through the Quran. Nobody comes to Jesus through the writings of Confucius. Nobody comes to Jesus by other, quote, sacred books according to the Christian faith. Oh, there might be good ideas in there, and God might use the emptiness of some philosophies to bring you to His truth. But we understand as Christians, and this should not be an argument, this should not be a, even a discussion in our churches, we understand that the Bible is the Word of God, and by the Scriptures, the written Word of God, our hearts are open to truth. And Jesus meant it when he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father unless he comes by me. So the first source of regeneration is the Word. The Word works in me. The Word is able to bring me to that place of salvation. The second source Jesus describes as the wind. The wind. Now, the Word, what we're going to find out is the Word, the wind, and the water all refer to the work of the Holy Spirit. You say, what do you mean by the wind, Pastor? Well, in Ezekiel 37, the dry bones of Israel were told to hear the Word of the Lord. That's where it all starts. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. It all begins with the Word. It all begins with the Word. And in Ezekiel's prophecy, the dry bones, God said, listen to the Word. But something else has to happen as you listen to the Word. Then the breath of God began to blow 
and it entered them. The word of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord work together to reanimate and restore the bones. Loved ones, when you and I come to Jesus, it may be through the preaching of the word by Billy Graham. <coughs> it may be the teaching of the golden rule in, in primary Sunday school class. Um, it, it, David Suchet, who played uh, Hercule Poirot in, in, um, the, in so many BBC seasons, um, and he also was a big player in, in uh, uh, Focus on the Family, radio theater, stuff like that. You'd know him if you saw him. He is a devout child of God. And when you ask David Suchet how he came to the Lord, he was in a hotel room one night with nothing to do. And he opened up the Gideon's Bible because he had never opened one, as I remember his story, although he was in hotels where they were all the time. And he opened it up to Romans 8. And a revelation came to him from reading chapter 8, verse 1. There is now no condemnation to those who were in Christ Jesus. And he went through Romans 8 and he said, it was like my mind was open and the word of God came alive and the spirit of God spoke to me. He didn't understand all the dynamics at that time, but he said the spirit worked with the word to convince me that I was a sinner and that I needed Jesus and only through Jesus could I be saved. It's the spirit and the word the scripture, the word, and the wind. But also, and that's how Jesus uh, explained the idea of the new birth to Nicodemus. And the word, both in, in um, Greek and Hebrew, the, in Greek the word pneuma, it, this is true of the Greek and it's true of the Old Testament, ruach. It can mean spirit, breath, or wind. Spirit, breath, or wind. So Jesus and Ezekiel... Uh, Jesus to Nicodemus, Ezekiel to the house of Israel, said, listen, the word of the Lord is vital, it's foundational, but the wind of God must blow upon that word or it's nothing but dry words. It's nothing but meaningless phrases. But when the Spirit of God breathes His voice and breathes His life, breathes His insight on the pages of Scripture, then that's what we call insight and illumination. And it begins to bring life to the individual. Titus 3.5, Paul called this the regeneration. The pro, as the, he says it's the direct work of the Holy Spirit. Now water, I wish I had more time to talk about water. But the cleansing necessary for new life is seen as a washing. It's called the washing of regeneration. There again in Titus 3. It's the same image used for baptism. We know when we baptize somebody, there's not some, you know, the Apostle Paul's special cleaning solution that we mix in with the water and it washes your sins away. We know that's not true, not remotely so. But the water, just like the Word and just like the wind, the water is connected to the idea of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the idea of God's Word and uh, working as it does, and the idea of the wind working as it does, the idea of the water washing as it does, is absolutely incomprehensible without the dynamic of the Spirit anointing. The bottom line is we are born again by the Holy Spirit. Now I want to tell you this. 
I want to give two good commercials, and I'll do them both within 30 seconds. If you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you've not received the gift of speaking in tongues, I encourage you to seek the Lord for it. I believe it's available for every child of God. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Let Him speak to you. Number two, if you have not been baptized in water, you say, Pastor, I didn't think we believed in baptismal regeneration. I didn't think you believed that you were saved because you got baptized. No, I think you get baptized because you've been saved. And I think we probably, you know, a few, few years ago, right after I came, I felt just, I just felt a need to give people an invitation to be baptized. And I preached on water baptism. And over the course of two Sundays, it was either 124 or 126 people were baptized in water those two Sundays. And you know what? I'd like to break that record. If you have not been baptized in water, call the church office. We'll set it up. You say, oh, pastor, if that many people had to be baptized, you wouldn't even get to preach. I tell you what, if that many people needed to be baptized, it would be an indicator that I have been doing good preaching. And I can take a Sunday off while we baptize. So let us know. Okay, now here's the significance. Okay, the symbols. God said, you want to understand regeneration? You've got to understand what it means. Procreation, germination, resurrection. You want to understand the source it's the Word of God, it's the wind of God, it's the water of God. But all of it must have the anointing, the working of the Holy Spirit. No man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What's the significance? There's a radical change. If you are regenerated, there is a radical change. Revelation 21.5 says, look at this, I'm making all things new. Uh, King James says, behold, I make all things new. But when you understand the power of the tenses and the words, when all of this mysterious book of Revelation is presented right there at the end, in case there's any miscalculation, God says, look at this. Look at what I'm doing. What am I doing? I'm making everything new. It's a radical change. It's a work in the past, continuing in the present that will reach completion in the future. Regeneration is a radical, eternal change, and that change is working in us right now. Right now. Here's radical growth is another significant result. It says, now, if you become a Christian, you're going to grow, and it's a radical growth. You know what? It's not that, well, you know, since he's become a Christian, he's, he's kind of mellowed a little bit. He's, he's, a, he's a little bit nicer than he was. No. He says, you're going to grow like a child. You say, what's the difference between growing like a child and growing a little bit at a time? Well, you know, somebody, they paid me such a good compliment. It's not true, but they paid me such a good compliment They've been in the church probably 30 years, and they said, we were looking at you the other day, <clears throat> and, and, and what, what happened was, they said, I can't believe you don't have any gray hair. We were eating dinner, and he was close enough to see I've got plenty of gray hair. It's just these lights do something wonderful. I'm thinking of trying to maybe get purple one week and gold hair one week. But he, I, I said, no, I've got plenty of gray hair. He said, I told my wife, look at that man. He has not changed in 30 years, he said, um, I, he said, I can't hear, I can't see, I've lost my hair, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. 
And he said, you have not changed. I looked at him and I said, I've got bad news for you. Your eyes have also gone. Your eyes have also gone. No, no, I know what he was trying to say. He was trying to, trying to pay me a compliment. But that's not the kind of change I'm talking about where we age gracefully or we get just a little bit better. We grow like a child. How does a child grow? You go a week without seeing a child and you wonder, what happened? Don't see your grandchildren for six months? My word, they've been abducted by aliens and injected with something. My grandmother used to give me, or my Aunt Murdy rather, used to give me a big old hug. And she said, boy, what have you been doing standing in fertilizer? You're growing up on me. No, it's a rad, it's not just I mellow or I age well, I grow like a child. Now, a child, sometimes when they grow, they're a little clumsy and they're a little gangly. And, you know, they've got to grow into some dimensions that are beginning to show up. But the point about becoming like a child is your growth is radical. And you become something in 16, 18, 20 years that nobody had a clue of what you were going to look like when you first started. And there's radical hope. <coughs> First Peter says we have a living hope. A living hope. That word means it's a growing hope. We never just say, well, I'm just going to hold on till Jesus comes. No, buddy, you need to hold on because God's changing so much so fast. You don't want to get thrown off the merry-go-round. Okay, it's a living, growing hope. And he said we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Now here are the Christian life lessons. There's only two, <coughs> and we got to go. But here's number one. The passage from life in the flesh to life in the spirit is as traumatic as the passage from the womb in this world, uh, into this world, or from the tomb into the next world. Guys, let me tell you what we've got to do. We've got to get away from the concept that when I came to Jesus, I just decided I'm going to get better and better. You know, remember the race between the tortoise and the hare, slow and steady wins the day. You are not just better. You are something altogether different. You say, I don't feel like that sometimes. Well, we need to understand that just because we don't feel something doesn't make it true. Sometimes we don't feel the way we ought to feel because we have not recognized what we ought to feel. And we don't know what to do with that longing. It may be possible. Here's the second life lesson. Uh, or excuse me, it is possible only by the Holy Spirit. You see, that's why you can't hold on to forgiveness and expect to grow, I mean, unforgiveness and expect to grow as a Christian. That's why you can't be a regular viewer of pornography and wonder why you don't feel the presence of the Lord. That's why you can't disobey God and say, well, I'm just doing the best I can and slowly but surely, you know, I, sometimes I take a step forward, but it's two steps back, but that's the Christian life. No, it's not. No, it's not. You are a new creation. Listen to these three statements. You've got to understand the nature of change. Christianity emphasizes transformation, not improvement. Now, some of the transformation is fast. Some of it is slow. I, I understand that. 
And some of the fast transformation we call miracles, some of the slower transformation, we say, well, that's just discipline paying off. Well, I understand what you're saying. And the Bible does say that most of our virtues are like fruit. They have to grow and mature. But it's not just you getting better, it's you being transformed. There is the idea of the immediacy of the change. Christianity emphasizes revolution, not evolution. Revolution, not evolution. And there's the totality of the change. Christianity emphasizes a new life, not a, not a new leaf. A new life, not a new leaf. And the most important question you will ever answer in your life is, have I been born again? Have I been born again? One of the greatest television shows Hollywood's ever produced, fact-filled, life-changing, Super Chicken. You remember Super Chicken. When you find yourself in danger, when you're threatened by a stranger, when you feel that you will take a licking, there is one thing you should learn that's when there's nowhere else to turn, just call for Super Chicken. You know, you remember Super Chicken. And what Super Chicken taught us is that in your deepest problems, you can take a proton super energy pill, swallow it, and it gives you the strength of 20 atomic bombs for a period of 20 seconds. And that's how, hey, I'm talking, this is truth now. I saw, I saw it on television. And Super Chicken, Henry Cabot Henhouse III was his name until uh, he became Super Chicken. And he could do anything that needed to be done in 20 seconds because of the, of the energy pill that gave him the strength of 20 atomic bombs for 20 seconds. And I used to sit there and wonder what I could do with just four or five of those pills. But loved ones... I start saying I'm not trying to be funny. I am trying to be funny. I, it just didn't work. But I am trying to be funny. But I want you to understand this. We don't operate on super energy pills. We have an indwelling Holy Spirit, and it is perpetual. Now, I'll tell you this. I know the tendency I have is to cave into doubt, to cave into depression, to cave into self-esteem issues. I, I know that I have the tendency to slip back into that. And, and I, I know that that's not right. I know that that's not healthy. But you've got to understand, it's not because Christianity doesn't work. It's because I forget what I am. And more importantly, I forget what is working in me. Now, I don't, I don't think you ought to go look up these you know, 20 things I am in Christ and then go around and start making confessions like you own the world. That's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about truly learning in our spirit what this new birth means. And when you understand what the new birth means, there's nothing in your life, nothing in my life that can't be managed by the help of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Um, let me just kind of close this way. I ask you one question. Have you ever really been born again? Have you come to Jesus or did you just join the church? The second question I want to ask is this. How long, if you came to Jesus, how long are you going to allow yourself to try to live this glorious life in the strength of the flesh?
That's what most Christians do. They try to live it in the strength of the flesh. And then when somebody says, you know, we need to pray about this, our response is, oh my God, has it come to that? That we have to pray. Prayer ought not to be our last resort. It ought to be our first response because we know that everything we need for righteous living has already been deposited in our life. It's up to us to access it. We'll talk more about this accessing as we work through the other words. Father, we have to go today. Thank you for the patience of this incredible uh, family as I try to approach something kind of in a different way today. But Lord, um, I, I believe we have been born again. If there's anyone here that has not been born again, I pray in the name of Jesus that before they leave today, they'll come to one of our altar workers. And altar, altar teams, you can go ahead and come to the front. Because the most important thing is, have I been regenerated? Have I been born again? Is there <coughs> a supernatural life that is at work in me? Because I've yielded my life to Jesus. If not, it can happen today. It can take place right now. Father, we thank you for regeneration, for the power to do over, the power to lay aside every failure and pick up your righteousness, your holiness, your goodness. Father, in days that are ahead that might be troubling days, that might be difficult days, I ask that you would teach us, Lord, Oh, I know we're going to have battles. I know we're going to have struggles. I know there are going to be days when the flesh seems so much more real than the spirit. I know that. I know that. We all live there. But Father, will you teach us and help us that part of the Christian experience of salvation is that we have been given an endless power supply from another dimension. And we're not talking ancient aliens. We're talking about the indwelling Holy Spirit. Will you help us to be the kind of church that our children understand that early on? And it takes them through the tempting teens and the torrid twenties and the confusing thirties and, and the troubling forties. Father, may we all know that we are held together and we are given victory by this regenerating spirit that lives within us. Help us, Lord, in Christ's name. Loved ones, thank you for being here today. Ministry teams are here at the front. They would love to pray with you, especially if you're not sure you've ever been born again. But today, okay, we've made, we've made that confession. We've, we've, we've had faith. We have, we, have, we have repented. Now what's happening in us? We have been born again, and everything we need is resident in our life. Let us pray for you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.